Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat Steen Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cats Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cats Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cats Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cats Tea and Witchcraft and enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the first episode of season five, and it is episode 102. For those who are new, my name is Fauna. I am an eclectic Wiccan and witch. And starting in this season, like I said in the trailer the other day that I posted, we are going to be focusing on crystals, minerals, and rocks at the beginning of each episode for this season. And then we will continue on to our regular topic for the episode. Before I dive into the crystal for the day, I want to go over what today's topic is. Today's topic is going to be focusing on the history of domesticated cats and how it has been involved within human history, a little bit of witchcraft, and how the views of cats have been seen across the world throughout history, and the positive and negative effects that the different views of cats that they have had throughout history have affected us negatively and positively and how it was also associated with witchcraft. So now I'm going to dive into today's crystal and that is Amethyst. I have four reference books for you today and like the last few seasons I'm going to go through these books let you know which book I'm reading and what page that information starts on so you can use that as a reference point yourself if you decide to use the same books that I have. So the first book I'm going to use is called Simply Crystals by Cass and Janie Jackson. The amethyst crystal can be found in various points in this book because the book is separated by uses, not just by crystal. So the first page that I'm going to be using to reference amethyst is starting on page 38 and this is the section that's under psychic development and divination. So it says in this book on page 38, Amethyst, which is used universally for healing purposes, can also help to increase psychic awareness. An amethyst crystal stored with any other divinatory stones will enhance their powers. It is then found on page 47 under crystals, visualization, and positive thought. And under amethyst, it says amethyst is the great healer of mind, body, and spirit clears the mind, and helps develop the intuition and psychic abilities. In the last section I'm going to reference in this book for Amethyst is under the Healing with Crystals section, and on page 57 it says Amethyst mainly works on the head, both physically and mentally. It is a useful crystal to keep handy if you suffer from headaches. Take a tumbled crystal and smooth it across the forehead whenever you feel a headache threatening. On the mental level, A small bed of amethyst points on the desk or bedside table is invaluable as an aid to stimulating the intuition. So the next book I have is the crystal version of Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. And this one is Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Crystals, Gems, and Metal Magic. So starting on page 83 is where you can find amethyst. And it says for energy, it is receptive. Planets, Jupiter, and Neptune. Element, water. Deities, Bacchus, Dionysus, and Diana. 
her powers, dreams, overcoming alcoholism, healing, psychism, peace, love, protection against thieves, courage, and happiness. For magical uses, amethyst, a purple quartz, is a stone steeped in ancient magic. It is perhaps as popular today as it was 2,000 years ago. Placed beneath the pillow or worn to bed, amethyst drives off insomnia and nightmares. It produces a peaceful sleep and pleasant, healing, even prophetic dreams. However, it will also ensure that its wearer doesn't oversleep. A spiritual stone with absolutely no negative side effects or associations with violence, anger, or passion, the amethyst is the stone of peace. With the stressor of everyday life, well up within you, hold an amethyst in your left hand or right hand if left-handed. Let its soothing, de-stressing, calming, peaceful vibrations sink into you. Or better yet, wear amethyst so that it touches your skin and you may avoid such highly wrought emotional states. I'm going to stop referencing this book here because this actually has quite a few pages of information and I don't want to take all of our episodes time today just reading on Amethyst. So this page goes up to the start of 86. So if you guys are interested, I would recommend this book to add to your library. Now on to the third book, which is actually my favorite reference book and one of the first books on crystals that I got when I started using crystals when I was a teenager. And this book was a little bit easier to find back in the earlier 2000s and 2010s. Um, it's a hefty book and there aren't any, any photos. It's a big one. And it's called Love is in the Earth, a Kaleidoscope of Crystals by Melody. This text is relatively small. But there's so much information and so many crystals referenced in this book. If you can get your hands on a copy of this or at least be able to check it out from a library, I would highly recommend you trying to get a copy of this book. I don't know if it is in print anymore and I feel very lucky that I got it at the time and didn't realize that it would be so difficult in the decade after that I got this book to get it because I've tried to look it up to recommend it to the other people and it was either expensive or hard to find. So if you are able to find this book or thrift it or find it at a pre-owned bookshop, definitely look for this book. Since there is so much information in this book, I'm going to be jumping through paragraphs because there is one, two, three, four, almost five pages of really small text with various bits of information and like I said, this text is relatively small, so I'm not going to be able to go all those details, so I'm going to jump through paragraphs. So if you reference this episode and you get your hands on a copy of this, you might see some additional information. Okay, so starting on page 109, it says for astrological signs for amethyst is Pisces, Virgo, Aquarius, and Capricorn. Amethyst is a variety of quartz which occurs throughout the world either in crystalline or massive form. The associated color range from deep purple to pale lavender. The presence of manganese and clear quartz produces amethyst, while additional amounts of iron content vary the purple coloration. The deepest amethyst colors occur in those crystals from Uruguay, Siberia, Africa, and Colorado. The most common occurrence is a medium purple color, which is found in Brazil. Amethyst is a stone of spirituality and contentment. It facilitates transmutation of 
lower energies into the higher frequencies of both the spiritual and ethereal levels. It is a representative of the principles of complete metamorphosis. Balances the energies of the intellectual, emotional, and physical bodies and provides a clear connection between the earth plane and the other world. It clears the aura and stabilizes and transmutes any dysfunctional energy located within one's body. Amethyst also bestows stability, strength, invigoration, and peace. The peace being the perfect peace which was present prior to birth. It is also a stone of meditation, being excellent in conducting the energy of calm and peacefulness to help one to both enter and maintain the state. It opens and activates the crown chakra. Amethyst can be used to protect against psychic attacks, the energy of the attack being transmitted to the universe after its transformation into positive, loving energy. It enhances cooperation and coefficiency between one's mental, physical, and emotional bodies between the physical and spiritual worlds and during activities of this world. It further allows for the integration of cause and effect, providing insight into which portion of the actualized self requires remodeling in order to facilitate change towards the ultimate state of perfection. Okay, now one last reference book. And this is a book that I referenced last season, and it is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondence. This book has so much information, and this is another one of these big hefty books that I would recommend having in your library because it has information on many topics. So, starting on page 217 for Amethyst, it says for the Zodiac, Aquarius, Capricorn, Pisces, Sagittarius, and Virgo. For Solar System, Jupiter, Neptune, and Pluto. Season, Spring. Celebrations, Imbolc and Maybon. Element, Water. Chakras, Brow, and Crown. Number, Three. Goddesses, Diana, Justitia, and Venus. Full Moon, for February. Days, Saturday, Thursday, and Wednesday. Energy, yin and yang. Directions, northeast and southeast. For tarot, temperance and wheel of fortune. For gods, Bacchus and Dionysus. For issues, intentions, and powers. It helps with anger, awareness, balance, spiritual beginnings, calm, changes in communication, concentration in improving focus, spiritual connections, consciousness. Creativity, facing danger, divination, dream work, working on fear, gratitude, grounding, spiritual growth, guidance, harmony, healing, inspiration, intuition, justice, manifesting love, angel magic, general love and manifestation, the mind, needs, negativity, optimism, inner peace, problems, Prophecy, protection, psychic ability, purification, rebirth and renewal, self-work, sex and sexuality, skills, sleep, contacting spirits, spirituality, stability, strength, success, transformation, travel, well-being, and wisdom. Okay, everyone, that is about 10 minutes of information on Amethyst. I hope that gave you quite a bit of information you can run with on that particular crystal. So now, finally, on to today's topic of cats. This is the cats part of Cats Tea and Witchcraft. This actually was supposed to be a one 
episode topic. And as I was doing my research, I found enough information to turn it into a two episode topic. So 103 is also going to be on cats. But that episode, I'm going to be focusing on myths, folklore, legends, and other stories about cats throughout different cultures from around the world throughout history. Definitely won't be able to go over all of them, but I'm going to go over a few of my favorites. And one of the big reasons that I'm talking about an animal, I'm talking about cats, is that cats have been seen as important for religious, spiritual, and cultural reasons for thousands of years. You will find out that there are deities associated with them, not just in Egypt, but throughout the entire world. And then they've had their positive and negative views throughout history, but cats have been just as important as dogs have been throughout the world. I personally don't know, and I haven't done the research on this, but I don't know of cultures that have worshipped dogs in the same way that many had worshipped cats throughout history. Dogs were useful in different ways, but cats were cats. They're different. And we'll go over some of those details in a second. And as I'm going over this episode, I have both of my cats here next to me. One of them is actively staring at me. I think she's looking at the screen and watching the uh, things move around as I'm recording. So I'm going to start with some history about cats. So cats have been a part of human lives for thousands of years, possibly as far back as eight to 12,000 years ago, or possibly more. Over history and time, as people and historians collect more information, that timeline has been pushed back more and more. Cats have been found buried with humans, which shows how important cats have been to humans for as far as we can remember. And they may not have always been domesticated as long as dogs have, but as soon as humans may have settled down is when they think that cats became a little bit more associated with domestication and humans. So cats took their chance once a good chunk of humans moved past a nomadic lifestyle. And one of those great purposes that we have had cats and they have been used for thousands of years is that cats are great at controlling pests, which also benefits us in our overall health and for sanitary purposes of our environment and other things. So at least in the early development of this cohabitation of cats and humans is that they helped us with pest control, but in result, they were able to find stable homes and also food in the process. And in ancient Egypt, cats were associated with the goddess Bast, who was the goddess of love and had a cat head. And overall, cats were seen as very important in Egyptian culture. Egypt is one of those places where mummified cats were found in tombs and depicted in art. In ancient Rome, cats were also looked at positively and were associated with the symbol of liberty. And in the Far East, cats were valued for protection. And this goes back to the idea of pest control and the benefits that it has to us as well. If that's associated with the removal of mice and other rodents, which helps prevent the spread of parasites and diseases, that could technically be considered as protection. But also throughout different parts of history, in different parts of the world, cats didn't always necessarily have a great reputation. 
In the Middle Ages, European cats were demonized, associated with witches and evil, and were often killed. But many believe that that may have been one of the many factors why the plague spread so much because of the increased rodent population, which helped infect humans with the plagues. But again, as history progressed, cats were again seen in a positive light and became the loving house pet and companions of today. Again, they had a lot of benefits within homes, with pest control, but also it allowed us to have companions. Cats are very much mistaken for not being emotional and wanting to ignore humans, but if you really take the time to get to know cats, they are actually quite loving and actually like being around people. Sometimes, not all the time, because people tend to be bugs and annoying to them, but if you have a good household that there is a mutual respect for each other, your cats can definitely show you a lot of love. So the next section I'm going to go over is about cats and their association with witchcraft. The association with cats and witchcraft probably comes a little bit more along the lines of the Middle Ages in Europe. Around the 14th century, black cats, very specifically, and a lot of us are aware of this superstition, somehow became associated with witchcraft and or also the devil itself. And this negative association with cats or black cats can still be seen today around the world. One reason cats may have been tied within witchcraft and those who were seen as witches or cunning folk may have been the case that many of them probably had cats. So somehow that pattern was picked up on and the church and those who wanted to condemn witches and cats rolled with it. As a personal opinion of mine, could be that maybe the cats, like many who don't like cats today, realize that it's very hard to control cats. And the concept of the lack of control or willingness to submit in many situations may have been another trigger or association that people didn't like. The fact that many cats were very active at night and with that association of the devil in evening at night, somehow, probably also was another reason it got associated with witches in witchcraft and the spooky night that many were afraid of. Another theory is that why cats were seen negatively is that since cats were honored greatly in Egypt, ancient Rome, and other pagan traditions, is the association was that since they were respected in those cultures, cats were tied in with paganism. And for those who saw paganism as wrong, equals somehow witches and devil worship in evil. So moving on to what many would consider pagan associations with cats, there are many deities from across the world that are associated or symbolized with cats and in some cases, like in Egypt, have a cat head. So I have a list of some gods and goddesses, not all of them, of course, that are associated with cats one way or another. First is Bast, Freya, A. Apik, Lishau, Ovnik, Hecate, Kerwin, Sekhmet, Moftet, Nergal, Dewan, Kasha, Mi'ipeshu, and etc. Since, like I said, there's a lot of them. That was just a short list of gods and goddesses that were associated from all around the world that have something connected with cats. So, for modern witchcraft, many modern witches like to have cats as pets. Some claim or do have them as familiars as well. 
I don't personally work with familiars. I don't think my cats are my familiars. But for those who are also in the same situation and also do this, many people collect the fur that they either brush out of their cats or find around the home if they come out in clumps when they shed. They find nail sheds and even whiskers. Many will either collect them and use them as offerings, probably specific to cats, cat deities that are associated with them, and give them as offerings or possibly even use those components for spells for one reason or another. I wouldn't use parts of my cats, of their nails or hair or anything in respect to not use my cats and spells because sometimes you never know what's going to happen and just out of caution in that situation I would rather use their nails and their whiskers for offerings to cat deities versus for spells but many people do probably do that and some people do associate certain types of cats cat actions or even crossing a cat's path as a variety of signs depending on the situation and what cats mean to them and their culture or tradition. So if you are someone that will do research on cats within witchcraft or other forms of spirituality, as a caution, there is one thing that I want to let you guys know that you might read or see that was either done historically or in other groups. I don't know a lot of details of these groups, but this is just something that I have heard other people talk about as well. In some historical or other cultures, kind of things. Sometimes cats, parts of cats, were used as sacrifices. I don't want to get in depth on this topic, but as a warning, you might read or hear about things like this. If I ever hear of someone doing this themselves, and I am able to report it, if anyone sacrifices a cat, I will report them for animal cruelty. Because I personally feel... That using cats as sacrifices or killing cats for spell work is wrong. That is my personal opinion. And if I am able to report that, I will report that for animal cruelty. If you don't like that and you talk to me and you do things like that, you better not reveal it to me because I will report you if I can. There are certain traditions or in the past or maybe even people today that either use parts of cats and use them as offerings or use use cats as spell components to add oomph to the rituals, which I personally, personally think is wrong based on my personal morals. So, hope none of you ever do that or have done that, and please don't let me know if you ever did, because it probably won't turn out well. So now moving back into some more positive and fun things associating with cats, I'm going to jump into just some fun facts about cats. It is said that cats spend about 70% of their lives sleeping. House cats share about 95.6% of their DNA with tigers. Some cats can run up to 30 miles per hour. Maybe not the chonky cats, but a fit cat can probably run pretty quick. And one of the oldest cats in the world lived up to its 30s. You can technically train cats to do tricks. It just takes a lot of time and patience. A lot of cats actually do show signs of love and affection. It does depend on the cat and how you treat them, etc. And that is a fact I wanted to share because there are a lot of cats that think cats are always just grumpy and aloof, which is not the case. Not all cats respond to catnip, and some cats have extra toes. Moving on from that, I want to go over the benefits of having cats and what they can have on your health and 
mental health. Cats, like I've mentioned, are great companions and can help with loneliness and give people a sense of responsibility to have something to look forward to and to also help teach responsibility. I know that I personally felt better once I got my first cat because I grew up with cats and my parents have cats. But when I moved into my own place, I didn't originally have a cat and it felt like something was missing until I got my cute, chunky orange boy. And for those who have either never had pets before or never had cats, it can teach kids and adults about responsibility because cats will definitely hold you responsible if you don't take care of them correctly. The other thing, like we have mentioned multiple times within this episode, is cats are great for pest control. But if your cats do bring you your offerings of rodents, of various types, or even bugs, Please remember to give your pets regular tick, flea, and worm medicine because there are chances that those rodents and bugs can have parasites and other diseases that can affect them. They can contract those parasites from eating or just biting those bugs and not all of those parasites or worms are curable in cats like heartworm. Also, having a companion of a cat can help reduce stress or take away some loneliness, which can, in result, over time, assist with health and mental health. It might not cure things, but having that companion could possibly reduce your stress levels, which could have a positive effect on your healing process one way or another. Like I mentioned a second ago, cats can help you learn about responsibility, but also help teach people about Boundaries between regular feedings, everyday cleanings and their water bowls, cleaning their litter boxes and giving them attention. It teaches people responsibility that you can't just ignore your cats. But also when it comes to boundaries, one of the big complaints about people who may not be the biggest fans of cats is that cats are hard to control and that they either hiss or bite or run away. And that's because... Cats don't want to be around people who do not respect them or respect their boundaries. They don't want you to be in their face all the time. They don't want you picking them up and smushing them no matter how cute they are. Cats, just like people, need to have respect. And all creatures should have a level of respect. And you don't need to be in their face all the time. Because if they don't want something, they will fucking let you know. A word of caution, though, when cleaning up and taking care of your cats is when you are handling cat litter, please wash your hands after. You don't want to be touching your face. And please keep the litter away from other pets and children. There is a possibility that through contaminated litter, through cat fecal matter, or even not just with children, but also especially pregnant people is that there could be diseases and or parasites that can affect people that is transferred through feline fecal matter. So please, if you are pregnant or you have children or just in general, if you handle cat litter, especially dirty cat litter, wash your hands. But turning back around onto a positive light again, Cats can also be trained or used as therapy animals, but from my research, cats are not recognized as service animals. So 
For those who have never had cats before or are looking to own cats or have never had cats as adults, here are some things you should be aware of if you are interested in owning cats. Cats are not toys, so please don't treat them as toys or allow children to treat them as toys. They, like I've already mentioned, they will let you know when you overstep their boundaries. They can hiss, scratch, and also mark their territory. Also, not all cats are good with kids and not all cats are good with every person. It is best to keep young, handsy children away from cats. Not just for the kids' safety, but also the cat's safety because sometimes kids can hurt animals, even unintentionally. And there are some cats that will never want to be around children at all. Next is cats can be expensive. They require money for food, toys, because they do have energy and need to have that energy burned through when they're awake, even though they sleep a lot. And if they need medical attention, their vet bills can be very expensive. It could be just for their regular vaccines, regular checkups, UTIs, cats can get cancers, other viruses, and other diseases that, if you do not treat, can either kill them or reduce the quality of their life. And vet bills are not cheap. They are really expensive. And even though now there are pet insurances and everything, it still might be a hefty chunk out of your pockets. So if you feel like you cannot cover basic medical bills or even an occasional larger bill, I would recommend maybe not considering getting a cat. And I know that there are some people who will still get a cat, but would rather spend that money on dogs and will think, well, cats are just cats. It really doesn't matter. If you think like that, do not get a cat. They are worth the love and effort and medical attention to take care of them. Cats can live into their 20s and there are there is proof that cats, a few of them, have lived into their 30s if they are taken care of well enough. So please do not treat cats as lesser pets or lesser creatures just because you prefer dogs over cats. Also, I would not recommend getting cats or any animal as a present for people if they do not know you're getting it for them. If you have a grandma that really wants a cat, knows how to take care of a cat, and she's lonely and you get her a cat, that's, that's one thing. But if you are randomly getting your children or a partner or a friend a cat and they might not be in the position to take care of it or know how to respect it, just like in a lot of cases during the Easter season where people will buy their children bunnies and then discard them three months later, do not do that. Cats are a lifetime commitment for themselves. On average, cats will live from like 12 to 15 years in the average household. Cats are not a short-term commitment. They can damage your furniture, they can scratch you, and they can get sick And you can't just ignore them all the time and leave them alone just because they're a cat. If you cannot be a responsible owner and just because you want to have a kitten while they're small and cute, cats get big, cats get cranky, and cats still need your commitment. Also, unless you plan on breeding cats, fix your cats. Cats can breed very quickly. They could have small but also very large litters. And one of the reasons with people not fixing their cats is those whose cats escape 
or if they just populate all the time or they go outside and if you have a male cat and he just starts having fun with the ladies, it could cause a very big issue in certain communities with overpopulation of cat colonies and cats actually negatively affecting the environment. Cats are known to hunt. Cats are very good hunters. So not fixing your cats can cause an increase in the cat population, which can actually have a negative effect on the native species in a variety of environments. Of course, they eat rodents, but also they kill bugs, but also they eat birds. And sometimes these bird populations see a major dip in the areas where people aren't able to control these cat populations and cat colonies. So if you're a college student that might not live in an area that you were able to take care of your cat, or like if you have roommates that aren't responsible, leave the doors and windows open and your cat gets out, maybe it's not the best time to get a cat while you're in college with a bunch of irresponsible roommates. Or if you're not responsible or your kids open doors and everything, it might not be the best idea to have a cat and then one that may disappear and you will never find again in many cases unless you have trained your cat to be an indoor-outdoor cat and it knows its territory. I know that sucks if you want to be a college kid that has a cat, but also I personally don't like the idea of you have a cat, you take it home, and then you go back to school, you take it home, you go back to school, or if you get busy and then you end up dumping your cat on your parents, that's not fair to your cat, that's not fair to your parents, and that stress of traveling is not good or healthy for the cat either. This also comes down to, again, Cats are not dogs. Do not treat your cats like dogs. Cats can be affected by changes in routine and different environments. Because if they can't get used to an environment, it may cause them to scratch, spray, or have emotional dysfunction. So this is all I have for you on this episode for cats. Like I said, next week we're going to go over cat myths, folklore, and stories from around the world. But for those who got this far in the episode, thank you for listening to the first episode of Season 5. So if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or even send me an email. There is also the Facebook page. If you are a listener, answer all the questions, and then you'll be able to get through, most likely, if you answer the questions. So if you don't answer it, you won't be allowed in the group. And if you're not a listener... You also probably won't be allowed in the group. But if you're listening to this, you're a listener. So if you are a listener and you invite your friends into the group, please make sure they listen to the podcast first. Because if they don't answer some of the questions correctly, they won't be admitted either. Because the Facebook group is for the listener community, not just the overall larger witch community either. So again... Feel free to send me a message for comments, questions, or concerns. But like I say every episode, I appreciate every single one of you, and I will talk to you guys next week. Have a great one. Blessed be. Bye.